The coronavirus is now a pandemic, says the World Health Organization. Americans are afraid. Colleges are closing their campuses. Event organizers are canceling. And in response to a CQ roll call poll this week of congressional staff, a majority of aides said they wanted to work remotely or shut down entirely. So what should Congress do? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was defiant this week that she would not shutter the Capitol. Should the Capitol be closed for no. a period of time? Either for There's members, no. five members, no. what about for members? No. What about members? No. And the public? No. <laughs> so you're not going to change the schedule at all? There are five. At this time, there is no reason to do so. In a closed-door meeting, she told Democrats that they were the captains of the ship and would be the last to leave. Meanwhile, Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, said this. The risk that any individual American will contract the disease remains low. This is not a time for fear. Today, I will speak with California Democrat Julia Brownlee, who represents a House district north of Los Angeles. She is in self-quarantine after coming into contact with someone infected with the virus. She has temporarily closed her Washington office. What's that like for a lawmaker used to a busy schedule of hearings, votes, meetings, and fundraisers? And later, I'll speak with Dr. Joshua Sharfstein, the vice dean of the John Hopkins School of Public Health, about how Congress should respond to this pandemic. Hello, Congresswoman Brownlee. Thank you for coming on our show. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Can you describe for us where you are right now? I'm sitting at my kitchen table. In California? In California, in my home. Okay. And are, are, do you have family member around, around with you? Uh, no. My, you, you know, uh, my uh, kids are grown, so I'm home alone. Okay. So you're in self-quarantine. Can you give our listeners a sense of what does that mean? Well, it means that um, I'm not really, I'm not, well, I am not in contact uh, with anyone and I'm here sort of, I'm self-monitoring and, um, you know, um, uh, uh, social distancing and, um, you know, taking all, all of what I believe the right precautions are. So does that mean not going to the grocery store, not running errands? Yep, that, that's what it means, actually. I'm just getting ready to order um, some groceries right now and have them delivered. And you're a few days into, what, a, a two-week quarantine? Yeah, the quarantine will be over next Tuesday, the 14-day period for me, from the time of exposure. And just, again, for our listeners, you do not have symptoms of the coronavirus. No, I do not have symptoms. I feel uh, great, uh, my, we closed our um, office in D.C., um, and all of my folks are, are working from home. I'm working from home, and everybody feels, feels good. Well, that's, that's wonderful to hear um, that the staff is also well. So why did you decide to do this then? Well, because I wanted to really err on the on the on the side of caution. Um, certainly, I was in a situation where uh, the possible transmission was was very very low, um, practically non-existent. I would say, but given the nature um, of my job as a member of Congress, I'm in touch with hundreds of people um, every single week. Um, 
it's a people's business that I'm in. And uh, based on that, I, I thought because I had been exposed to someone who was asymptomatic at the time, but became uh, symptomatic, I thought uh, to take, um, you know, complete precaution, I would err uh, on the side of, of, of absolute uh, uh, caution and, and made the decision. Right. To, we, we've, well, from what we know is the uh, incubation period for the virus can be about two weeks, so you can be asymptomatic for a while. Can you tell us what's your emotional state? I mean, are you going stir-crazy, or are you enjoying <laughs> a little break from the, from the busyness of Washington? Yeah, well, I, I will tell you that I am working. Um, telework, telework is very productive these days, and so I feel like I'm not really uh, missing too much of a beat when it comes uh, to work. So uh, servicing my constituents is always my number one priority, and I think we are... Uh, we've been seamless uh, in that effort, and will and will continue to be. So it's been, you know, a pretty full work day um, at home. And um, you know, I'm obviously if I were uh, in the district, I would be doing town halls and and going to various businesses and other kinds of things, which of course I'm not I'm not doing. Um, but as I said, tel- telework is is pretty productive. Now, you haven't been here, of course, but Speaker Pelosi has been asked about her plans for the Capitol, given the spread of the coronavirus. And she was adamant that she will not close the Capitol. She told um, your caucus that you were the captains of the ship and would be the last to leave. Do you think that's the right decision, or should she be more flexible, potentially? I, I, I know I have great confidence uh, in, in the speaker and she will make the right decisions um, if and when she needs to make decisions. I think there is no question in my mind that Congress uh, needs to be active. We need to address uh, the issues um, that the, the American people are facing uh, vis-a-vis uh, this virus and this public health crisis. And uh, I know Congress is hard at work right now addressing um, some legislation that would um, address, you know, paid sick leave and uh, unemployment insurance and uh, food security issues in terms of expanding um, food stamps and the like. So those things are going to be critically important to do, and there's going to be more to be done. And Congress is the body that will do those things. So um, it's, I think it's necessary that we, um, the, the, the Congress stays in Washington and does their job. The, the chief administrative officer of the House, who handles a lot of logistical tasks for offices, member offices, uh, has, my understanding, has, has bought 1,500 computers, which off representatives can buy for their staffs, and is helping set up aides with telework-ready computers, checking their computers, making sure they have all the uh, programs needed. That a good precaution in your mind? Yeah, it is. And we, we have acquired uh, those computers for, our, for our, our folks who are working um, at home. Congress just appropriated $8.3 billion to combat the virus. Do you think more should be done? I'm sure more will be, need to be done, um, and 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 we will. Um, so I, it's just it's it's hard to know today. I think 
the first appropriations was a, a significant one, but if we need to do more, we will do more. And um, it's also uh, legislation, I think, uh, dealing with some of the things I mentioned earlier around sick leave and unemployment insurance. I know that the uh, Speaker and the White House are in negotiations now around a possible uh, stimulus package. I don't know the contours of that, and we probably won't know um, for a little while. But, um, you know, putting in these uh, uh, protections for uh, the basic safety nets for those people who might be missing a paycheck um, and live paycheck to paycheck. People who are home need to get sick pay. So um, those things need to be addressed and need to be addressed immediately. California has had relatively more cases so far than other states. What's the situation on the ground there? How are constituents feeling? You know, I think everyone is um, nervous, a little nervous. Um, I certainly am, am trying to, um, you know, let people know that, uh, you know, they, they need to self-monitor and protect themselves, but, you know, not to panic. I think that's an important, I think it's an important message, but I think we all know as as, as more tests happen, there are going to be more cases and this is going to, escalate before it de-escalates and and we're going to have to act accordingly and those and we will have to make decisions that we're not making today but uh, we may need to make in the future. There's been a lot of closures around the country, conferences closed, there have been colleges that have closed. Um, what's your feeling on that? I mean it's it seems like uh, it's it's viewed by many as a necessary public health precaution but it's also contributing to this fear that people feel. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, each uh, situation has to be evaluated and individual uh, decisions have to be made. Um, they're not blanket solutions. It's, you know, it's community by community, uh, given their set of circumstances. Um, certainly in the county that I live in, so far, we only have um, one uh, case that has tested positive. I'm sure that number will go up, but right now, that's not the case, but when you talk about New Rochelle and New York, and I think that you know each and every uh, community, county, and state are going to have to make their own decisions about that. Do you see any advantage from working from home, having done it now for a few days? Any advantages? Yes. I have to say it's very productive. Um, less interruptions. Uh, you know, life in Washington you know, I always say it's sort of an every 10 minute thing, uh, every 10 to 15 minutes, you know, but it is, so there's less interruptions, but it's been, actually, it's been quite productive. I would say, you know, if I was here in the district working, I would be doing town halls and out in the community. And of course, I'm not doing those things. I canceled a St. Patrick's Day parade coming up this weekend that I won't be attending. Um, but but the, you know, day-to-day -day work um, I'm doing, and, and as I said, it's, it's, it's working out very, very well. Well, we wish you and your staff good health. Thank you for coming on the show, Congresswoman. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm going to turn now to Dr. Joshua Sharfstein, the Vice Dean of the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health about what we should be doing to protect ourselves. So Dr. Sharfstein, Speaker Pelosi has said this week that she will not close the Capitol. 
where lawmakers vote in pretty close quarters. They hold hearings in really close quarters and where their staffs are also pretty crammed in. Um, Many of the lawmakers are elderly. Do you think she should at least be open to the possibility of closing the Capitol? Well, I'm sure she's open to the possibility of closing the Capitol. I think, you know, there are other things that should be considered, which is um, changing certainly the way lawmakers greet each other, changing certain types of meetings perhaps to go online, and then also giving people the option perhaps to vote remotely if there were a way to do that. Like if someone were to get sick so that they couldn't come in or multiple people that were to get sick, might be prudent to have some backup plans in that area too. Right. If a lawmaker were to get sick or, or even a staffer or someone who's up on the Hill regularly, um, would that be cl- cause to close the Capitol, you know, try to work remotely? Or w- when would you make that decision? Well, you know, I think it's an important point that Congress is central to American democracy and really needs to be in business. So the question would be, how can you stay in business while um, protecting people's health as best as possible? And, you know, I think if a bunch of people were exposed and the recommendation were to self-quarantine, you know, that could affect a lot of people. So we have to have a plan for that eventuality um, where the work of Congress could keep moving forward. You've warned against people getting afraid here, but I'm seeing a lot of people who are feeling very afraid. What can you say to reassure them? Why shouldn't they be so afraid? Well, I don't think it's exactly that people shouldn't be afraid. There's, you know, certainly uh, reasons to be very concerned, but you don't want people to be helpless or hopeless. There's definitely not reason to be helpless or hopeless. There are things that can be done. And this is a serious situation and people have to take it seriously. But we don't want people just just to be afraid, only to be afraid. People should be um, realistic in their assessment and be then doing things. And that is not just individuals who can wash their hands and stay home when they're sick, but members of Congress who should be thinking there are things this country can do to better prepare even now. The city of Washington just said it wants large events of more than 1,000 people shut down. Colleges are closing their campuses. Big conferences are canceling. Are they doing the right thing? I think they are doing the right thing. I think something to understand is we're in a period where it's very clear that there's transmission that's going on. Number two, it's very clear that it's possible to get so much transmission that the healthcare system could be in danger of uh, you know, going past its capacity like appears to be happening in Italy. That's a, that's a real danger. That's not a theoretical danger. Number three, there's some things we really don't know in part because of the delays in testing. We'll get a lot more information soon. And number four, we don't have any drugs or therapeutics. So this is a particularly vulnerable moment. So, you know, doing things out of an abundance of caution at this point is reasonable. I don't think it's going to be very long before we get some information about different types of products that might be helpful um, and I think even in a month or two, we'll know so much more. It's just right now, we don't. And so I, I understand why people are being prudent. I think that we may need to do go even further than the steps that you're talking about in the short term. So is it simply the case that anything that brings people together in large numbers should be canceled? Or should event organizers and administrators be looking at specific circumstances? Um, 
you know, it partly depends on the part of the country, the level of risk that's there. But in general, I think it's prudent right now to cancel very large gatherings. Um, I think people, particularly people who are older, need to take a lot of uh, caution, and the CDC guidelines reflect that. Um, you know, I think the kinds of things that New York is doing, recommending telecommuting, asking people to bump elbows, hello, uh, really encouraging hand washing, those sorts of things are should be, I think, you know, national practices. What about somewhat smaller events, uh, K through 12 schools, restaurants, gyms, airplane travel? Yeah, well, you know, each of these are, are different, and I think we're going to be able to dial them up or dial them down as we see what's happening in local areas. I don't think necessarily some of those things are going to be national uniform policies, but I will say that schools are probably the, the trickiest area. I think they're things that are easier to do, you know, in a way, like a sporting event, you know, might be the better part of valor to, to hold off on the sporting event. But K-12 education has a couple important features to it, which is that if the kids are home, then the parents are home. And that can really complicate many aspects of society functioning and the response to the epidemic because healthcare workers may not have childcare so uh, so easily. So it it's, becomes very complicated with that one. And I think there's some differing points of view. But on some of these other things, uh, I think it's increasingly going to become clear um, how far we need to go. You know, we're going to see in the next couple of weeks what happens in Seattle, where there's just an enormous amount of spread. And does the healthcare system get pushed uh, much further than it's already been pushed? Or in New York, you know, places where they're, they're really seeing cases. And if that really happens, I don't think there's going to be a question about the need to do more. And I think what we're seeing now will just be the beginning. Um, but it's not forever. doesn't mean that those athletic events and other things can't be played later. And I think people have to have the attitude that, like, this is just something we're going to have to get through. And, and these steps need to be taken because this virus is very contagious and very deadly? Um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. It's very contagious. It's probably um, more contagious than flu. And it is um, certainly uh, appears to be more deadly than the seasonal flu at, at every age. And um, well, certainly at the older ages. And overall, at, at a social level, it poses a, a very big risk because none of us have immunity to it. So the number of people who could get infected I mean, the biggest risk here is a risk to the entire society, which is the risk of the healthcare system not being able to take care of us because there's so many sick patients. And that's partly a function of the fact that this is more deadly than flu and causes more serious injuries and partly a function of the fact that so many more people will get infected because there's no natural immunity. So if you let it spread and so many people get sick and the, and the hospitals aren't able to really take care of everyone, that has a huge ripple effect on other sick people in in our cities and states. And and that that's probably the biggest concern. So in order to protect that, that's why, even if you feel like yourself, well, it's unlikely that I'm going to get sick or that sick because I'm in, only 25 years old and they're not that many 25-year-olds who have gotten really sick from this. You really want to um, take the right steps because you're protecting overall, the city from getting overwhelmed. And, you know, that that's a very serious problem. And that would be a serious problem for every 25-year-old if the city got overwhelmed. 
Dr. Fauci, you mentioned, uh, Dr. Tony Fauci, who's the head infectious disease expert at the National Institutes of Health. Uh, what's your assessment on how Congress has responded? They passed it and passed an $8.3 billion appropriations. Should, is there more that they should do? Uh, yes, I think Congress is going to have to do more. I think it's probably in the three areas that I think that Congress works in, oversight, legislation, and appropriations, you know, um, and uh, for oversight, keeping the focus on what the situation is, what the response has been, and helping educate the American people about what they can do. Very important role. Uh, in terms of legislation, I think there are some things that Congress could do that would make it a lot easier for people to be able to follow advice, like, you know, making sick leave more available, for example. Um, and appropriations, I, I think most people think this is going to cost an awful lot more, unfortunately, than $8 billion when you take into account the harm to the economy, you know, helping people um, who may lose their jobs because, you know, they're in the big convention business and there are not that many big conventions now, for example. Um, mm -hmm. That kind of thing is going to be very important. So, you know, that's why it's really important that Congress keep operating, um, even if it's, you know, through mechanisms that haven't been utilized before. Is it incumbent on Congress to keep going, keep working, even if uh, the risk rises, the danger rises? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think there are ways to mitigate that danger to Congress. And, you know, I mean, you could imagine in, you know, some scenario where it's a virtual Congress, but a virtual Congress would still be better than no Congress because, you know, it's, it's how we make resources and change policies and make sure that things are done well. And, you know, we really need our systems to work uh, right now because there's a lot of stress coming. Dr. Sharfstein, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with our listeners. Thanks very much for having me. And thank you for listening. I'm Sean Zeller. The producers of this show were Evan Campbell and Joanne Levine. CQ on Congress is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company.